Welcome to the Guernsey Daily, I'm Molly Gu. And I'm Rob Byrne. The polls have opened, closed, and will reopen again on Tuesday before the big election result on Thursday. Today, we'll bring you our last candidate interview. Yep, after today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different with the podcast, so stay tuned. Coming up on today's show, we hear from a new think tank that's been set up in Guernsey called The Progressives. We just want to raise awareness and help find solutions to issues facing the island, essentially and find the people that feel unrepresented um, and have their voices heard. We'll also hear from Catherine Hall, who's hoping her background in the charity sector will help her address some of the island's most pressing issues. My experience over the last 20 years living in Guernsey has been involved with children's disability issues, autism, special educational needs. And to kick things off today, Ollie, you've spotted a few things on social media. Yeah, I wanted to point out a funny, um, if not incredibly cheesy, Instagram campaign from uh, the candidate Phil Smith. So um, in our pilot episode, we spoke to political branding specialist Chris Pitch, and he said uh, his suggestion for candidates was that they should look for an interesting and unique way of standing out from the crowd. So uh, Phil, I don't know if he's, he's listened to the podcast, but he's clearly taken that advice on um, and he's <laughs> he's made a series of mini videos. And um, here's, a, here's an idea of what he's been doing. Vote Phil Smith, strong man. After you, vote Phil Smith, gentleman. Vote Phil Smith, handyman. So Rob, what what do you think? um i yeah it's something a bit different isn't it i don't know (laughs) i don't know if it's one of those where you're laughing with him or laughing at him (laughs) well i think at least it is something a little bit unique right yeah definitely um and this was uh, something a bit unique as well a funny poster someone um posted about on social media it was put up in king's mills and it commends people for standing for deputy uh, but reads However, with the greatest of respect, we don't want to speak to you as we may be naked slash drinking gin slash enjoying some quiet time and we're perfectly capable of reading manifestos. So please be on your way. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, this article in the Guernsey Press has provoked some debate um, as people try and work out how many votes you'll need to get elected. Some of the candidates have obviously been thinking about it, but the press have gone to an Elizabeth College maths teacher. Uh, To cut a long story short, he suggested 3,800 votes will be needed, and he's come to that conclusion based on the previous election turnouts and people casting only 10 votes each. Now, it's pretty clear from the social media reaction that not everyone agrees with that. Um, Some of the candidates saying they've got the feeling people will be using much more than, than 10 votes and closer to... 38. I have to say, I haven't come across many people that have said to me they're going to use all their votes. Yeah, I, it's it's a tough one. Um, I think somebody suggested on Twitter uh, that people don't use all their votes and use instead, uh, if they want to use them all, use instead 35 or 36. Because essentially, if you accidentally go over the 38 by using 39 votes, you spoil your your. Uh, ballot paper and so it's really easy to do that accidentally if you decide to use all your votes but if you kind of cut yourself a little bit short you uh you reduce that risk people can't count to 38 no it's very difficult (laughs) (laughs) and uh actually something a bit different that one of the candidates uh or some of the candidates have been doing in this election is these drop-ins around the island rather than the traditional door knocking And one thing we spotted was a post by deputy dawn tyndall who's seeking re-election and she's sort of 
popping up at different sites around the island and she's uh, brought with her some uh, some purple green and white balloons that she actually used in 2016 to try and grab some attention so she's recycling them for this uh, yeah, election and using them again did she let them down and then <laughs> re-blow them up or did she have extras because I'm a bit confused about I'm that I'm not sure yeah I mean are they the exact same balloons or are they just from the same pack I didn't know but it, there's a, there's a, there's a colour theme to her campaign it's it's all green white and purple um, and actually looking at her posts it looks like she's you know she's been getting some engagement at different spots around the island even though she's mostly been sitting in car parks um <laughs> <laughs> that's something you like to do in your spare time isn't it go and sit in car parks at night yeah we don't like to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> with the lights on um yeah there are the two other candidates have been um doing you know similar with the, the drop-ins obviously we heard from ross lebrun and uh on friday's episode as well we had richard skipper who uh both both of them feeling it's been a good strategy to kind of engage with islanders you know doing it uh richard in his pub and ross lebron in various locations around guernsey but i suppose time will tell to see if that's reflected in their votes yeah we'll find out soon Next up, it's Catherine Hall, who might be familiar to you through her work leading the local branch of the National Autism Society. Catherine Hall, thank you so much for coming on the Guernsey Daily. Uh, First of all, just uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you and why you've decided to stand for election. Hello, yes. uh, Thank you for inviting me. Um, I came to the idea of standing for the election um, almost by default because um, I've been involved in the third sector for over 10 years. I'm a branch officer of the National Autistic Society. And I'm the, um, on the policy group for the Guernsey Disability Alliance and um, pushing from the outside for, for a long time, you know, uh, lobbying politicians, talking to um, civil service. It was partly my husband's fault, really. He said, well, you know, you're moaning about all these politicians. Why don't you have a go from the inside? <laughs> and it can be evolved from there, really. So, um, you know, I mean, I do understand it, it. it isn't easy for politicians and we do moan about them a lot. And I thought, well, yeah, you know, let's have a go from the inside. Can I make a difference on some of these issues? Um, and without giving it a go, um, I'm, I'm not going to know. So here I am, um, throwing my hat in the ring. You've touched there on on uh, the Guernsey Disability Alliance, uh, one of the things you're involved in. What are the issues you you really care about, and why? Well, my my background is I I, I come from a public service background. Um, I'm I'm an ex nurse. I uh, qualified registered general nurse, worked uh, as a clinical nurse, and in nurse management. When I uh, got married, I actually gave up my career uh, to support my husband in his business. So I do have some insight into the the issues that um, business people have on Guernsey. I'm married to an entrepreneur, I'm a director of the company. But because my experience over the last 20 years living in Guernsey has been involved with children's disability issues, autism, special educational needs, I've gained a lot of insight and expertise in those areas. And a lot of the issues is, you know, with Guernsey, there's, there's a lot of very good practice goes on but we do have gaps in provision and we do tend to leave services to it's kind of like the roof tile you know we don't we don't deal with the the low level stuff um we oh where we can only afford to deal with the um those most in need which means we we tend to we tend to end up with more people uh, that hit the most in need that don't actually need to so good social policy is good good economics you know you you you're actually preventing people reaching crisis 
And, and I think we do need to look much more closely at, at, at how we, we use social policy as, as part of, of economic revival. And touching on your voluntary work, um, it's interesting um, to note that on the podcast we have heard that uh, one or two candidates have suggested empowering the voluntary sector so it can help um, help government more. Do you think that is... Um, that's the right method, uh, that's the right approach, or, or do you think government needs to take a bit more responsibility in delivering a, a lot of what the voluntary service does in Guernsey for, you know, effectively for free? I think there's there's um, room for both. I think that, that there are things that the voluntary sector can do more cost effectively and better because they're, they're kind of specialists in particular areas. They're, they're, you attract people with the interest, the knowledge and the insight. But we do have a problem in Guernsey that you know we, we need better partnership and better support from the states because charities waste an awful lot of their time and energy chasing funding. Those that employ staff, they can often only employ on two or three year contracts because they only have funding for that length of time. It's not secure. So where we need a better system of um, service level agreements and commission services from the third sector rather than just leaving the third sector to get on with it. Let's talk specifics if we can. Are there any areas in particular you've identified that you would like to see some specific improvements, whether that's, you know, within education or health or other areas of social policy? Well, I've I've, um, only yesterday actually um, inputted some information into the um, review that that the education departments are doing on special educational needs. I think that's really important that the results of that review feed into any plans on transformation of education. Um, we do seem to spend an awful lot of time talking about how many schools we're going to have and not an awful lot of time on actual education, curriculum, special educational needs, how, how we're going to support children with additional needs. And, and actually looking at, we've, we've got kind of a certain amount of disconnected services. I think frontline staff do try to uh, coordinate and run services together but a a lot of things around for example special educational needs rely on not just the education staff but health as well Um, and you've got lots of different services so actually looking at ways of of pulling pulling it together in a more coordinated way I mean obviously I'm, I'm very focused on a specific area at the moment but through the GDA you know looking across wider issues and we, we come out with wonderful strategies on things with the disability strategy, with its, uh, its additional frameworks. But if we don't actually put the funding um, behind the plans, we end up with staff trying to squeeze more out of the same pie all the time. So there, there are lots of areas like that. And, go, and uh, it's been fascinating as a candidate going around other sectors like environment and, and other social care issues to find that you know that there are hundreds of organisations on Guernsey trying to plug gaps, um, and we do need to sort of coordinate it more and provide consistent support to third sector charities that are are actually a huge part of our um, social infrastructure. You talk about plugging gaps. There is that is that predominantly, you know, an, an issue of of funding and and government not having the the financial. Uh, clout to provide the services that it needs to what's your view on that um yes i think it is it's very very difficult for health services it's a huge huge area to cover i sometimes think we kind of need to separate out 
acute healthcare budget from social care because social care is ongoing and we have got an aging demographic we do have you know how how do we fill the extra the, the long term care pot all of these things but we have we have gone through a kind of period of semi austerity to to try and you know build up our our finances but it it sometimes it when you're working in a charity that the charity sector that cannot get funding that the the services you're working with in in statutory services are not getting funding and yet we've been sitting on um a large amount of unspent capital and money in the bank it it, it does seem counterintuitive i think i'm not sure that we've got the balance right and you were um a registered nurse so uh maybe more personal connection to to, to most um with regards to the the ongoing issue with nurses pay which has been raised time and again uh, on the show what what are your thoughts um in terms of nurses pay and and also uh you know juxtaposed with their uh, responsibility during the covid crisis well nurses pay is is just one part of the the equality law going forward that you know we need to work towards um, equal pay for jobs of equal equal value and nurse, nurses are historically undervalued they you know they are a graduate profession they are taking huge responsibility um, it's emotionally demanding it's physically demanding it has um, for um, acute care the hours are often awful <laughs> um, speak from personal experience and and this is it isn't just a simple pay rise it's about looking at how we value nursing as a profession. It, it can't be done overnight, and the nurses are aware of that. But over a period of years, we've got we've actually got to set a date and set a, put a plan in in place to bring nursing in line with jobs with equivalent responsibilities. It's an essential service, and, and at the moment we have a situation where nurses are sub, uh, subsidising our healthcare. For the, for the Royal College of Nursing to actually agree to allow um, its members to be balloted is extremely rare. It's in its 100-year history. It's um, I think it's only happened once before. We can't have a situation where we're continuously relying on agency staff. We have these outrageously high recruitment costs. We need to attract um, nurses into the profession. It's a, it's a great profession. It's incredibly rewarding. But it doesn't pay well. Where's it gone wrong with regards to nurses' pay then, do you think, Catherine? I I think the problem is that historically the gap has never been closed. Um, You're going back to the the days when my mother trained, 1948, she qualified just just as the health service in the, the NHS was born and she trained in a voluntary hospital it was like being in boarding school um, if you got married you had to leave the profession it was a it was a profession that well-bred young ladies did and it was seen as a vocation and it, it, it's it's historical roots in military and religious orders and it's seen as a female profession I mean that meant that it is for years seen as something that women do as a part-time job to top up you know a bit of pin money it's a graduate profession it's highly responsible and we've we've over the years it it is just so the, the gap is so wide that it's the jump to, to bring nursing the nursing profession in line with with comparable professions is so large that it's continuously lagged behind and I think we you know Guernsey is a very expensive place to live it's it's difficult to recruit staff here we probably do have to pay over the odds to get the quality service we need. 
Politically, the responsibility for negotiating the pay lies with the state's senior-most committee, and they're the ones that have been taking the flack on this. If you were to be elected, is there anything you can you think you could personally, practically do uh, to try and solve this problem? I think it's it is difficult for a new uh, new deputy to to have clear ideas as to how much effort you can bring, but. Obviously, any vote that came forward, I would be supporting. I would be supporting. I mean, HSC are behind, have been behind this. It is a question of PNR looking at how it is affordable. And obviously, COVID um, has pushed our financial situation in, into a, a less favourable position than we were. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a problem that we can we can solve. You know, within a year. But I think it's something that over a period of this term, we should look towards doing. We have agreed to, to bring equal pay for work of equal worth in under our equality legislation. And I think nurses are the place where we should start. Um, and all I, all I could do as a, as a deputy going in is, is basically champion the cause and hope that sufficient support within the states uh, to, to get PNR to look at it as, as part of the Revive and Thrive as part of COVID management, COVID isn't going away anytime soon. If we do get a, um, a second wave in Guernsey, it is our nursing staff and our care staff we are going to be relying on. And we, we do need to, to it's, it's something that we do need to sort out. Yeah, and, and talking about if you if you do get elected, you, you said yourself, you you know, coming at it with a very focused set of skills. Um, how can voters be assured that you could work more broadly as a deputy on varying issues which are outside of your current scope? Well, the, the skill set and knowledge that I have is of value across various different departments. Um, but I think my main sort of personal asset is that I, I do like, to quote um, Nicola Brink, I like evidence-based decision-making. I am the kind of politician who would be reading policy, doc- policy documents in depth. I would be researching around issues that I was going to vote on. I would uh, hate to think that I would be voting blind on any particular issue. I would try to uh, weigh up the pros and cons. And I think I think you do need a range of, of, of um skill sets in in the states and a, a range of a range of interest levels one of the uh, young ladies i spoke to at the grammar school hustings yesterday was asking me about environment i'm very pro environmental issues but confessed that that was not my area of expertise and i pointed her out to two other candidates that she might like to go to talk to who who really were strong on environment so i think it is it is a question of of Listening to your your colleagues who do have skill sets in other areas, listening to experts in the field, listening to voters, and, and actually trying to to weigh up the evidence in front of you. And um, and I think no deputy going in is going to know everything about every area. But um, I think I am an objective thinker, and I do look at the evidence in front of me. One of the things you mentioned there was listening to voters, and I wondered since you've been out on the campaign trail. Have certain issues come to your attention, or have you just ha- have your sort of own views been challenged on anything in particular? Like, has that journey been a sort of a, a, an evolution in any way in terms of what you what you would like to achieve in in the state? It's an enormous learning curve because, uh, as I say, obviously we all come at it from our own particular uh, areas of interest and, and experience. But 
the, I think the, the the hostings um where we go like the speed hostings they're, they're very quick you know you, you kind of desperately want to stay and talk for longer because you're meeting so many fascinating people who who are involved in different art areas of of, of the community and and I've, I've learned an enormous amount about uh, Guernsey that I didn't know and and I and I, I was quite humbled actually at the, the previous hostings not not last night's the night before I was asked one of the questions was asked about the fishing industry and that really threw me because I realized that I actually knew absolutely nothing about in depth about our fishing industry or the fact that it was declining um, or the, 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 the issues that, that, that fishermen um, on the island faced. And it's sort of right, well, right, okay, you know, I've obviously got to do some homework there. So I think you do need to talk to people. And I think once elected, you still need to be able to talk to people like that and understand what, what issues people are facing. Obviously, we can't give everybody everything they want in one go, but I think you you know you have to be you have to be able to to understand what what problems different areas of the electorate are facing, and we do have um we do have quite a gap in 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 sort of income level in in Guernsey. I mean, you know, the fact that we do have people in su- such a wealthy island that we do still have people in in work poverty isn't something I'm comfortable with. So it's it's finding out, you know, what, what problems people have and, and why we're in that situation. Um, and I think you can only do that by talking to people. And uh, just finally, how, how are you feeling? The the polls have opened, um, you know, it's, I, I gather from a lot of candidates that it's been a bit of a long slog with, with island-wide voting, pr- pretty difficult to get around to everybody and chat to everybody. And you've just mentioned, um, you know, how much of a learning curve this journey has been for you. So, um, are you tired? Are you, are you exhausted? Are you spent? Yes, yes, I'm, I am very tired. I'm, I'm no spring chicken. And it's a long time, decades, in fact, since I was out every night, um, which is tending to be the, be the case in <laughs> the election. I think it's been very, very difficult, both for candidates and for voters. Um, with 118 of us, you know, it's, it's almost impossible for people to kind of get to meet us all. You know, even as, as a voter myself, there are candidates I haven't really been able to engage with it and at the end of this election I think we probably are going to have to review just how we, I think there's, there's a lot of things we're going to have to learn from it that we might be able to do better next time if we're going to stick with island-wide voting because I think it's been a big challenge for everybody. That, I mean that's certainly something we've we've heard from uh, the majority of the candidates we've interviewed on the podcast um, so Catherine Hall uh, good luck and thank you for your time. Thank you. Finally, let's hear from a new political think tank uh, in Guernsey that's just been set up called The Progressives. Rebecca Lane, welcome to the Guernsey Daily. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, um, tell us a little bit about yourself first before we move on to talking about The Progressives. Well, I'm I'm quite young, but I'm very politically minded. Uh, it kind of started off when I lived in Leeds during university is when I really got into politics. Before that, I didn't really take any notice of Guernsey politics. So when I came back, moved back a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, crikey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, you know, I have varied interests. I'm a very normal person. I just happen to be quite loud in my views and and given the mandate of the progressives, um, I assume when you came back to Guernsey and did, um, you know, set your mind to politics in the island, you realised that there was a lot that needed changing. Yeah, kind of. I mean, pro- the progressives is a very new thing. We were actually put together by a mutual friend just to chat about Guernsey politics, really. 
this was never the plan when we were just talking about, you know, things happening in Guernsey. And then we all just thought, why don't we do something? Um, But yes, I did notice that there was a lack of politics that I resonated with in the island. So that's what made me passionate to want to actually be involved. Okay, so what is the progressives aiming to do now then? We just want, we're a pressure group. We are not a political party, which has been sort of touched upon on Twitter. Um, We're not standing for election. We just want to raise awareness and help find solutions to issues facing the island, essentially, and find the people that feel unrepresented um, and have their voices heard. And what kind of issues are you talking about? Have you got anything in mind to begin pressuring, um, well, future deputies on? Well, really, we for the next time, we want to help them uh, achieve a more progressive view in the island. Um, the things we're kind of focusing on at the moment is a Green New Deal, expanded equality legislation, um, bolstered employee rights and tackling in-work poverty. We don't think it's unfair to ask these things um, because it protects the island and the people. As a sort of group of people who've been recently put together, um, how are you going to, uh, you know, enact real change? How are you going to get the deputies to listen to you? Well, really, as it stands, the States is supposed to work for the people and not the other way around. And we think that, you know, the politicians that already have the most tend to be the loudest, but that's not a quality in volume. We just want to amplify the voices without the megaphones and show that there's an appetite for change in a more progressive way. We just want to show the state assembly that the one side of the Guernsey landscape that they're getting isn't just what Guernsey is about and what Guernsey should be about. Um, we'll be forming relationships with whoever gets elected uh, and bringing together what we think is a sizable but disjointed base of support for left of centre policies and raising awareness for issues that we just don't think get enough traction at the moment. And obviously you're um, setting up probably now uh, because we're we're getting near to the vote and and to the new uh, states being uh, sworn in. Are are you kind of aiming to chat to candidates in the lead up to um, the election to try and get a flavour of, um, you know, how much will there is out there for, for them to listen to you? Oh, definitely. I mean, we've had conversations with some of the candidates already. Um, you know, we're not going to be actively uh, pushing for any certain candidate. We want to make sure that we're completely um, away from that, just so that we're approachable to everyone and we can pr- approach everyone and not just being seen as, oh, they're left of centre, we don't want to talk to them, or they're supporting this candidate, we shouldn't talk to them. But we, we want to, we've, we've been going through manifestos, um, and we want to make sure that we can see the sort of policies and uh politicians that we want in the states and we want to talk about the important issues with them if they get in are you going to provide sort of information for the public as well for them to maybe become more clued up because i think one of the um issues that has been raised time and again is the fact that you know with 118 candidates and even with 38 actual deputies who get elected uh, the public can often feel a little bit alienated from from politics or feel like it's just there's too much to wade through to really understand what's going on so are you going to be there to to try and make all of that political uh, mumbo jumbo make sense uh yeah so that's partly why we launched the website so that we can wade through the stuff and um break it down into terms that people aren't going to get turned off by you don't want to be reading well, not everyone wants to be reading the hundred or so manifestos that have come out you know some people want a bite-sized 
here's their main issues, here's what, or if it's a current deputy, here's what they, here's their voting record, if that is something you're interested in. And we want to make politics accessible to everyone because people are very easily turned off by politics especially if they feel unrepresented like this isn't something for me if it was I'd be acting on my interests um and I feel like there is a large majority of people that feel like that and we want to change that so that everyone feels heard yeah and and obviously you you felt like that in the past and then you were turned on to politics what was it that turned you on and, and is there anything you can learn from your move into the political sphere uh, in terms of what you can give to the public my sort of interest in it is is somewhat unique because i only became turned on to it when i moved to the uk and really saw how much you know that it affects me and because I was already politically minded when I moved back to Guernsey I, I meant that I was already interested in the local politics I think for people that you know live here don't move off it's just a case of seeing how much the states does that affects you um, and realizing that if you don't give yourself a voice if you don't make yourself heard then nothing will change for you because someone else isn't going to step up to speak for you. You need to realize that it's your job to make sure that people know what you're thinking and what you would like to see from the government. Because if you don't, no one else is going to. Yeah. And I suppose we've seen a little bit of that coming into action with um, things like the Black Lives Matter protest in Guernsey, where uh, what's happening in the UK and the US is filtering into Guernsey and it's allowing people the chance to you know, feel like they can uh, voice their opinions um, more openly. Do you think we're heading into, especially with organisations like yours setting up, do you think we're heading into a place where people do feel like they can share their views more openly with politicians? More so than ever, but I still think there's a long way to go. Um, I think Black Lives Matter, that was a huge step for us, a massive step. And I it was so important that, that it happened because there's still so many racial deniers on the island where they don't believe racism is um alive and well because it really is and you you just can't deny that although people do so i think people are finally getting wind that politicians are supposed to be standing for them and supposed to be you know doing what's in the best interests of their constituents i think that's hard now because it's island-wide voting because the constituents are technically the entire island so there's going i think it's going to be maybe a bit more disjointed but that's why it's important more than ever to make sure you are heard email your deputies uh, if you have an issue don't let things lie if you don't like something they're doing make sure they know because that if you can change one vote if a policy doesn't go through or does go through in a different way because you and others have had your voice heard it shows that what you're doing is working and uh, we've had it with the podcast. Um, I spoke to Matt Pyle, who created the, no, who co-created 38deputies.gg, another free service for voters. Um, there has been pushback. Um, there has been, you know, issues with uh, people thinking it might that each of our services might be unfair. Do you have you had that same pushback? We've had a lot of pushback on the fact that we're anonymous. I mean, let's be honest, we're not now, seeing as I've just outed myself as being part of the progressives. Because they think that we've we've got something to hide. Um, and I think there's something very wrong with the suspicion around it. We just want to present a united front. And I think the services that you're providing and 38 Deputies is providing, I thought that's great. It's accessible for everyone. 
And so uh, if you were to have a, a an action plan, and I assume you do for the first year of the progressive's life, what are the main things that you'd like to achieve? You know, we're not going to be putting out our entire action plan, but, you know, as it stands, we want to keep an eye on the political landscape. We want to make relationships with the politicians. We want to meet with people that, you know, feel unrepresented, feel like, you know, while they may be left of centre, the the conservative political landscape that Guernsey is in doesn't represent them and make sure that these voices are heard, speak to, you know, the state's assembly and hopefully influence the, uh, the policy changes that we want to happen. Well, Rebecca Lane, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for talking to the Guernsey Daily. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the Guernsey Daily, please do let us know. Um, As election day approaches, our series is going to be over soon, but we'd really be interested to know if you'd like to hear more from the podcast, maybe uh, with, with some, you know, something a little bit different, perhaps. And staying on the election, if you are a candidate and you've enjoyed listening, look out for me on Results Day at Beausajour. I'll be around with a microphone. Come and chat. Let me know how your campaign's gone, the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. We want to know, and I'm sure uh, our listeners would like to know as well. And also make sure you check out the podcast's audio manifestos too. If you are still sitting on the fence and undecided who you're going to vote for, it's a, it's a great tool, I think, to get a window into uh, some of the candidates' minds. Yeah, so if you do want to get in touch, then you can find us on Twitter at Guernsey Daily. We're very responsive. Um, and you can also email the Guernsey Daily at gmail.com. Uh, remember, the full list of candidates, uh, as Rob says, if you're still on the on the fence, is on election2020.gg. And finally, we're proud to be partnered with Guernsey Community Radio, where you can also hear us. Goodbye for now. Cheers. Bye. Bye.